And we're live. Hey, everybody. Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Glad you're here with us again on a Tuesday night. And, uh, of course, this evening, uh, my guest is Bijan Watson. And, uh, man, I have been looking so forward to this. You know, I'm, I'm exci you. excited about every interview, but uh, this one especially just because we've never actually met. I mean, we only spoke for half a half a minute <laughs> right before we <laughs> well, went live here. Well, watch, watch. We're going to be seeing more of each other than we probably ever imagined yeah. after this now, right? Yeah, that right. That works. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's okay <laughs> by me. So um, I do want to thank Austin Custom Brass. Of course, Trent and his group out there are just phenomenal. I mean, not yes, just great products, but great customer service. And Trent might be one of the happiest trumpet players I have ever seen. The, the kid gets Trent's a new a toy. Dude in his shop every day and gets to show it off, right? He amazes and, me. Yeah, well, and what a beast of a player too, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. I've had the opportunity to sit next to him on several occasions, and I and I miss it now that he's out in KC. Oh, I, now I'm jealous because, you know, I, yeah. I haven't gotten to play with him yet. I think that would be... <laughs> you know what? He's I, even he better would, hang on the bandstand. Even I'll just, he, if he lets that. me turn pages, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> so, of course, Trent is uh, sponsoring, ACB is sponsoring this month, and they are sponsoring next month. Now, check this out. This is a great lineup for next month. We've got Raquel oh Samoya, Jen Murata, nice. Sarah Stoneback, James Morrison, Chris Coletti. Nice. Nice, right? That is a great lineup. Right? Jen's, Jen's awesome. I've had a chance to play with her uh, a couple and of occasions at Hollywood Bowl, and, and James Morrison is awesome, too. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not intimidated by too many, too many guests, <laughs> uh, but that, that might be one. Uh, uh, Thomas yeah. Conch was another one. You know, we're just like, oh, man. Uh, you know, that superstar, superstar <laughs> power. But, um, yeah. But cats I'm thrilled. That make you, cats that make you feel... Uh, are, you know, insecure about your time in the shed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, once they get on the show, they make you feel, they make me feel great. You know, they're Absolutely. just so much fun to talk to. So that's that's going to be uh, live in June. Nice. And of course, uh, if you want to support the show financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash studio HFL. And if you want to get the newsletter, you can do that at studio HFL.com. And let's see, I've got some merchandise. I don't know if you've seen this yet, Bijan, but uh, my World Trumpet Force. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have right. the other one. That, yeah, that's I right. That, one. I just remembered that. So I'm, I'm going to throw that up here. But uh, so the Vente Labis Magis, the, the, uh, the Latin phrase there. <laughs> Push harder. That. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me hide that. And of course, uh, yeah, this the... is the shirt, right? Yeah, we will not one. be silenced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, and you know, uh, that phrase might be a little more, uh, um, mainstream these days than I thought it would be. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, true. uh, we might get into some of that, uh, later on too. I'm going to do something really quick, but I have the, uh, few, there we go. I, okay. I have the, um, uh, it's not rocket surgery. Oh, right. Right. I love That's that t-shirt. Right. I was wearing that and my daughter's like, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had to yeah. explain it to her, but so well, you yeah. know what? Uh, if if you want to take a picture and put that on social media, I will. Uh, I'll definitely I'd do appreciate that because yeah. <laughs> when Rex did that, my sales went that's went right. through the roof. I saw right. right? That's well. I think seeing Rex in that T-shirt is yeah. why I bought the T-shirt. <laughs> so, so yeah, and I just sent Rex. Uh, actually, he just bought. <laughs> uh, he just bought a couple more. So nice. Well, nice. this has now, been fun, man. I hope you had a good time. 
Uh, <laughs> and thank you and good night. And thank yeah. you and good night. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled you're here. We've had this booked for, I think, well over a month, and I've been looking yes. forward to this. And so I, I want to make sure before we go any further, Bijan, Bijan. Yes. Bijan, or like the mustard Bijan. except for okay. the B. I just want to be sure. I always want to get everybody's name pronounced I appreciate correctly. That. So appreciate um, that. Welcome. And uh, where are you right now? Are you? Boston. You're Boston, in Boston. Massachusetts. Yep. Is that home for you? That's where I'm from. Um, uh, born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. I li- actually lived in Sharon, Mass, which is a suburb um, outside of Boston, south of Boston. That's where I went to high school and uh, middle school and elementary school. But uh, and then I went out to California um, after that, and I was in L.A. for about 28 years or so. So. What? Were Before you trying to do to, the, you know, the trumpet player's dream? Were you trying to go out there still, and make I it still in the am. studios? <laughs> I still am yeah? doing it. Yeah, I did. Uh, my dad had uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, and so I, I was going back and forth so often. Had a chance to take over my grandparents' house. Uh, it's a 110-year-old historic wow. two-family home, and uh, so I'm very good at drywall as well. My drywall mm-hmm. skills are, are uh, uh, elevating. And, um, but yeah, it's funny of when I moved back to Boston, I still am blessed to have a great number of contractors and, and, um, bands I'm a part of that, that, uh, still able to have me come out and perform. In fact, yeah. I'll be out there this Friday for a, a session. So looking nice. forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to say, I'm sorry to hear about, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's. My mom has mm-hmm. dementia and I tell you it, it's tough on them, but mm-hmm. boy, it sure hurts. It's, an, uh, it's an too, insidious. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a blessing and a curse because at the same time in their moments of clarity, when they're speaking with you and, and, you know, you can tell that they're, they're feeling trapped inside their own bodies. They're not able to communicate and it's, it's painful for them. So in some ways it's, it's, it was good to my dad uh, passed away peacefully. Mm-hmm. So I realized, you know, so there's that side of it, but selfishly, of course, I wish he was still around to see everything yeah. I'm doing. He would have loved to have, to see, see and hear a lot of the stuff that I'm able to do. So, yeah, I, I visited my mm-hmm. mom on mother's day. First time I got to see her in about 14 months. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, my mom uh, is 81. So yeah, it should be 81 in June 6. But that so, was, yeah. well, I think that's about the, the same age. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, I got to go to her room, you know, everybody was vaccinated and we nice. were unmasked, got to go to her room. Uh, my nice. oldest son and I, and, you know, she actually said my name. Now, whether she knew who I was when she said it, <laughs> you know, it was still really nice to hear sure. my mom yep. say my name. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those little things, right, that you you kind of yes. latch on to. You realize, man, trumpet playing is important, but other stuff is importanter, <laughs> right? Absolutely, man. There's no no question. Priorities, I think everyone's priorities got realigned or, during this oh. past year or so. so and how. Uh, Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Boston is is always going to be home for you, I take it. Yep, yep. I have uh, my wife and I have a nine-year-old daughter. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're just trucking along here, you know. Um, we do have family out here as well. Uh, my wife mm-hmm. has family out here as well. So mm-hmm. made the transition uh, a little bit easier. Um, but uh, like I said, I mean, before, before all the happenings of 2020, I was in L.A. two or three times a month. So... LA and other places. So, so you'd fly out and do what, mm-hmm. what, when you would get there, did you have a session already lined up? You knew what you were yeah. going to be doing. You usually it was session dependent. Uh, and so it sessions lined up and, and, uh, or performances, uh, 
for tours where, where the LA would be the anchor. We'd rehearse and then head off to the, the other locales to do the gigs. Mm-hmm. And, um, very fortunate. I don't take it for granted at all. And, uh, you know, I was out there 25, 26 years, uh, building, you know, the, the brand as it were, or the, yeah. my reputation out there. So very fortunate to, uh, be part of that community as well as uh, the Boston music music community as well. So, so let's talk um, about that brand for a second. Let's say somebody sure. doesn't know who you are. How would you describe yourself? You know what what would you say? <laughs> Those of me that know me on the band say, I, I, I my my line is I'm a lead player with a dream. You know, yeah. um, uh, no, uh, usually uh, I'm, I get called to play lead trumpet uh, vast majority of the time. Big band horn section stuff TV film stuff, pit stuff, you know, uh, runs the gamut. Um, you know, I cut my teeth on the salsa scene coming up. Uh, I love all styles of music. And, um, you know, I, I am a classically trained trumpet player in Boston. Grew up uh, going to New England Conservatory Preparatory School and uh, studying with, you know, all the amazing teachers out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, doing the whole Tanglewood thing and you know, getting, getting doing those master classes and having those opportunities. So, you know, I'm a classical trumpet player um, uh, at, at heart, uh, and uh, jazz kind of was always being played in our house and R and B and soul and and that's music I loved and I had the opportunity to do that when I went out to Los Angeles. Is that um, what was playing in the house when you were growing up? Oh yeah, the the Crusaders, Jazz Crusaders, uh, Hubert Laws, um, uh, Freddie Hubbard, you know. Uh, Billy Holiday, uh, all, all those. Uh, so, were you uh, starting artists. to sing along, or or did you find a trumpet and drag it out and start? It's, it's interesting. My my grandfather Chet King, he was a bass player, mm-hmm. and he played bass and tuba, and he had a group called Chet King and His Royal Aces. And um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so he was my first introduction, really, to just he would just put, you know, a a, a fake book in front of me or a book of jazz standards, and just I would just play them the melodies not not with any necessarily <laughs> jazz integrity and feel and stuff like that but i would just play the melodies and he would take me down to the union local 9535 and it used to be in the basement uh rehearsal room and just go rehearse with these you know when i was 11 12 years old and just uh have me sit in and do these reading sessions with these bands and just you know it was it was an amazing experience and i didn't realize how much of an influence that would have on me later as i was learning more jazz and learning how to do more improvisation uh just even playing those melodies and listening to that music um already kind of gave me a leg up on understanding was was the trumpet uh, your first choice or did you work (laughs) your way up to that it's interesting uh you know third grade elementary school band program music program uh third grade yeah in in middle middle middleborough massachusetts before i moved to sharon Wow. Um, and, uh, I, I wanted to play the drums and my parents were like, no. So tr- trumpet was the second choice. And, yeah. um, in hindsight, it was an excellent choice, but I'm a frustrated drummer at heart. <laughs> and, um, and you know, really what, what influenced me in terms of really wanting to be more of a lead player was listening to Doc Severinsen on mm-hmm. Tonight Show Band. That was a major influence. Uh, so it's like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to play like that. <laughs> so, and of course, obviously the other influences, Louis Armstrong and so on and so forth. But yeah. um, my initial um, true introduction, understanding how to be an entertainer and approach it from a guest artist standpoint, looking at 
that doc was just, yeah, that's what I want to do. So, uh, how old are you? I am 53. I'll be 54 uh, in January. I just mm-hmm. turned 55. I thought we're kind of, right that, we're kind of that same yeah, age, yeah, you we're, know, we're so that, that, that means, <laughs> you know, we were, we were probably begging to stay up late to catch a little bit of the mm-hmm. tonight show, right. For a while. And then we could actually stay and away. When I stayed at my grandparents' house in Boston because we lived in the suburbs, um, uh, growing up, uh, I would, you know, grandpa would let me stay up and watch tonight show and watch the fights, you know, the Marvin Hagler fights and all those. Oh, right. <laughs> right. All those things. Yeah. So yes, that's, that's the, that's the, uh, upside of being a grandson, right? Number one grandson. So. Yeah. Did you ever mm-hmm. get to meet or play with doc? I'm sure you've met him. I've met him a few times. I hadn't had a chance to play with him. Um, but met him uh, s- several times over the years, you know, ITG stuff and, um, and you know, just listening to, I've seen him live perform. It's just amazing. Oh. It's just amazing. The guy's so consistent. It's crazy. Well, the, the, what electricity and a sound, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think about that as you're starting to develop, maybe you don't know you're going to be a lead player yet, right? You're, you're learning mm-hmm. the standards, you're learning to play the head and all that sort of thing. Who are, who are you really listening to and, and latching onto at that point? Well, I mean, you know, in, in high school and middle school, because I was classically trained, I mean, I was deep into Mahler. I was doing all these groups, Massachusetts Youth Wind Ensemble, Greater Boston Youth Symphony, which is now Boston Youth Symphony Orchestra, Youth Chamber Orchestra. So I was immersed in the excerpts at that time. I was doing all of them, you know. Um, and uh, it wasn't until uh, probably, listen, Freddie Hubbard is really one of my first jazz players that I tried that I was working on emulating and I realized I was a little, some of those tunes were just too advanced for me as a beginning improv improviser so I kind of took a step back and and, and did some Blue Mitchell um yeah. Lee Morgan uh Cannonball um oh, not Cannonball Nat Adderley um uh Chet Baker uh so when from a jazz standpoint listen to that and that, during the time I was you know, Herb Alpert, uh, one of the first pieces of, of sheet music I ever bought was Rise, you know, when that came oh. out. That was the first piece of sheet music I ever bought and was exactly right. I'm playing right. along with that. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a, uh, one of my first experiences of kind of transcribing and, and, and learning that, those, that music. And, um, and I would uh, also transcribe um, Earth, Wind & Fire charts, Stevie Wonder horn stuff. You know all that that was uh that was my my training i just jumped in and didn't really know what i was doing at the time but i knew that i wanted to play that uh that type of music so so you want to play it you so you want to play it but then actually mm-hmm. being able to play it right mm-hmm. i mean was there yeah. how did you start to develop the that ability to to do that well you know when i was at, at usc i was in the marching band i was actually the drum major of the marching band um for a few years and what is it with trumpet players becoming drum majors <laughs> it's like this, this... Uh, it's it's the leadership it's the alpha male ah, mentality i right. guess i don't know right yeah. um uh so uh you know i had chances in the marching band you're playing all different styles there too and also you're building your endurance and there's an amazing group of trumpet players that trumpet section just had some amazing trumpet players mickey hovey who was one of the lead players in the Disneyland uh, uh, Kingdom Core and then Kevin Norton who played with Brian Setzer for years and you know these amazing players um, in the marching band that were a little older than me you were too old than me that you know trying to keep up with those guys um, really kind of introducing and then, and then I got into the Disney All-American College Band in 94 
and in 95 uh, did the All American Cause Jazz Band, which was really where I started. I wasn't even playing lead in that band. I was playing like third, fourth trumpet. That was uh, Brian Scanlon and Tanya Darby, these amazing young players that were just. Phew. Tanya Darby is now the brass chair at, um, at uh, Berkeley College of Music. And, wow. <laughs> and Brian Scanlon is this amazing lead player uh, down in Florida area from Brockton, Massachusetts. But mm -hmm. anyway, so all those type of players really inspired me to keep working at it. Uh, that summer we had Arturo Sandoval as a guest artist. Um, so we were playing stuff off like his Mis Abuelos, like, like his uh, uh, Danson album. We were playing all those charts. Um, Joe Williams, Diane Reeves, um, you know, we're playing all these amazing charts. Uh, yeah. So, it really was inspiring and, and you know, I tell my students I had to work at it. I wasn't I wasn't necessarily a um I mean I was a lead player, but I mean I didn't really hit my stride until, you know, really working at it. So Well, you know, so mm -hmm. there's the difference, right, between being able to be a lead trumpet player and being able to yes. play in the upper register, right? And yes. there's a lot of people that can Huge. play in the upper register that don't know how to lead. Exactly. Right. So mm -hmm. did you have the chops, the high chops? Um, I actually, I, it's interesting. Uh, yes. Um, but I, I learned my lead playing that there was a, uh, Bobby Bryant seniors, a trumpet player, African-American trumpet player in Los Angeles. Um, you know, amazing player. He had a reading band which, uh, that met on Saturday mornings and it was peppered in with, uh, he was in Clayton Hamilton jazz orchestra at the time. It's peppered with guys from Clayton Hamilton, you know, Snooky Young and, and uh, Clay Jenkins and so on and so forth. So I was in that reading band and um, learning those charts and there'd be weekends when Snooky would be sitting right next to me and kind of just like singing these phrases to me about how to, you know, how to, how to play this and approach it like this. And, and then Bobby Bryant right out in front, just he, I was taking lessons from him, trumpet lessons and, he was giving me these drills, working on my range, um, arpeggios and open fourths and things like that, really working on that. Kind of a, a, a quasi-Adams type approach, but with his own little spin on it. And um, that's really where my range started to blossom more and more at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but, it was, yeah, it came about from that. And, you know, I was in a few uh, uh, community college big bands that I played in uh, at that time in the late nineties, mid nineties, those community college bands, you know, Fullerton college and, um, um, uh, what's the one El Camino college and stuff like that. in on the South shore of, of, uh, Southern California where it had great music programs. I mean, you know, you, you really could, uh, and very affordable to be a part of. So it was, it was a really nice experience, um, to, to, to be able to work on that at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm impressed that you got such an early start. You know, I'm thinking you mentioned third grade, you know, wouldn't it be great yeah. if public school still started that <laughs> early? I mean, it's, it's, it's so obvious. It's, you know, I don't know why we don't, uh, yeah, so that's a whole, that's a whole nother right? <laughs> interview. But, you know, one of the things I'm really a proponent of is, is, uh, making sure that, uh, schools have elementary programs. I mean, if they're, uh, it's just a, an amazing, uh, it's a great way to form some level of discipline emotionally under, uh, socio emotionally with working with other people. It's just, it's, it's just, it's the, and then musically of course, and then and appreciating the arts. It's just, it's really that simple. It's, it's a no brainer, but, uh, you know, we need to have people in administrations that are willing to uh, yeah. be, 
proponents for that and that's where it starts so yeah hopefully we'll have more music educators that become administrators that will push for that and uh the ones that do are the usually the most successful um the school systems are the most successful that have the best band programs you know i just got my my suzuki training for trumpet you know there's a suzuki program now for the all the brass instruments and so i'm actually now a registered suzuki trumpet instructor which means i can start and we're starting kids at four and five years old so we're talking before they even get to because you know i've got my wife actually went through suzuki my youngest son is in violin and i've been taking him Mm -hmm. through lessons for four years now i mean i'm taking him too not teaching him but that's Mm -hmm. what got me interested in this and man i see the value of starting early right and just it's it's a part of who they are it's not just uh, mm-hmm. something I'm going to do on the side. I mean, it becomes a part of every day, you know, Absolutely. and it's, and it's whether they become a, whether they become a professional musician or not, still that experience is something that is woven into the fabric of, of yeah. understanding and being able yeah. to discern, you know, and have an appreciation for arts, which is, well, and, you know, I'm huge. thinking about this too, how the, at the high school level, even middle school, it's like, Oh, are you going to stay in band? Or are you going to do sports? And I'm thinking, you know, everybody's <laughs> like, you got to be the superstar athlete, but you know, when you think about it, how long is that going to last? Right. And Absolutely. you might get some fame and glory along the way, but you know, it's like music can be a lifetime. Sure. Yes. You know, and I just think, and not that, man, I'm not disparaging sports at all. I'm just saying, don't count the arts out. Just it, it can't, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. I mean, we can do both in a lot yeah. of, a lot of instances. So, but there's definitely a shelf life to sports participation for sure. Yeah. I mean, after intramural sports in college, I mean, how often are you really having the uh, opportunity to do that? Music yeah. is, you know, we're still learning. <laughs> well, don't worry. You know, and I've given up, it. I've given up my dream of being an NBA or NFL star. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not going to, it's not going to happen for many, many reasons. That's right. That's right. Right. <laughs> so, um, oh, before I forget, you know, Wayne was on last week. Wayne said, Hey, Wayne. Yeah. He's, He's an amazing cat. Uh, yeah. Just the consummate uh, player, you know, just in terms of preparedness, in terms of just sound, uh, in terms of, you know, just the uh, vibe on the, on the, on the bandstand or in the studio. Um, yeah. Just a joy. There's a reason why there's a reason why he, he works as much as right. he does and, and deservedly so, because he just, he's prepared. He's uh, has a, brings a great energy to the, the studio wherever he's at, whatever the gig he's on. Um, you know, it's 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 um, yeah, Wayne's a great cat. So, have you done and, any uh, film scores, any scoring sessions out there? I have I've done a few, not not as many as I would like, of course. Um, yeah, I did the uh, Secret Life of Pets. Um, uh-huh. uh, and uh, let's see, Dan Fernero, who's another amazing uh, player yeah. out there. Uh, um, he was playing. Uh, principal or lead trumpet and that is like a big band session and then they have orchestral uh but it was an amazing week of, of making music there um despicable me uh actually had the ability to do that with um with uh rick baptist nice. and uh yeah so I've done, I've done a few things and then um uh in terms of sidelining I, I was in the movie la la land so but um 
you know, it's, I, I always love hearing this, you know, because it's like now that when I go back and watch these movies, you know, there's this whole other dimension to it. It's like, <laughs> man, I know who's blowing that horn on that, you know? And it's, well, no, Wayne, Wayne played on the soundtrack. Wayne did the soundtrack. Well, no, no, we were just but, but I mean, him, yeah. yeah, but now knowing that you're, my, my kids like the secret life of pets, right? So next time All I right. watch that movie, which will be soon, I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm going to hone in on that and I'd be like, I know who's playing, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a really fun session and great section. Of, yeah. uh, of players so it was a great experience yeah. uh, so we'll see hopefully you know as, as stuff starts to get cooking again we'll uh we'll see what comes down the pipe so um, what is starting to cook right now um a lot of artists are getting back in the studio i don't know if i can tell you who i'm recording with on uh this weekend but um let's just say that he, he is due for another great album so um looking forward to being on that and then um you know, there's some as 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 these venues start to open up. I'm, uh, you know, we've got some holds on things for uh, some of these venues in San Francisco and and Chicago and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 started, and and now I'm getting calls to do master classes and clinics and and guest artist stuff for 2022. And um, jazz cruise is coming up, which is always fun to do. That's on top of the year, and I love going to all these conferences. I'm looking forward to going back to Midwest Clinic and. Uh, the Gen Conference. I actually have a uh, big band project that I'm doing with an amazing uh, pianist out of New York, Stephen Feifke. And uh, we have a group called the Generation Gap Jazz Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Rodriguez is in that section, um, Tanya Darby, Danny Giannacucci, and then we've got uh, we've got uh, Jen Wharton on bass trombone, and uh, oh my gosh, uh, John Fedchok, and you know, all these great players in the sax sections like Roxy Koss and Lauren Sevian and Lexa Tarantino and, and the rhythm sections. Yeah, it's great. It's a great band. Uh, Ulysses Owens, Jr. on drums. So we're finishing up that album right now, and uh, we're hoping to be performing at the, uh, in Gen. So, you know, we're just, everyone's getting their getting their act together, getting their chops back for when. Yeah. I did my first wedding gig in 18 months. Uh, everybody had a little five minute nap there. That's right. Uh, so that's right. That's, that's what had time to get so, more popcorn. Had time to get more. Popcorn I tell you, um, you know, and, and it's, it's hard <laughs> because when you rely on technology right now, right. I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's, uh, well, even in like, you know, recording, you know, I did, re- <laughs> had to dial in my home studio. I didn't have these wonderful shout out to AEA microphones. Um, I didn't have this wonderful mm-hmm. AEA N8 and my R84 and all this other, interface stuff and luckily i have friends that can show me how to use logic pro to a a, um, usable uh level (laughs) well and you know you say that too and i remember being part of some recording sessions here in indy where uh pro tools goes down right in the middle of the session right and you know fortunately the people know what they're doing it's not like they lost everything we've done but sure you gotta wait till they reboot so here goes a shameless promotion while i get a drink of iced tea Oh right, yeah, right. answer right blows here. Yes, yes. I only had a, I only met Ryan a couple times, and um, but it was an amazing, amazing cat. That's the right. same. He's gone. Um, but uh, well, yeah. people have heard this before too. But you know, when I met him at ITG San Antonio a couple of years ago, that's I met, I met him at him. the booth. That's where I met him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he had the energy that he did, but you know, I told him, introduced myself. And thanked him for sharing what he did and told him, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. He became more concerned and interested in me than wanting to talk about himself. And everybody I've talked to said that's him. You know, that's yep. 
absolutely. He would, he selfless, selfless. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, boy, gone way too soon, but I'm so glad that, that he was here at least for when he was, and you know, he's going to be around cancer blows. The Ryan Anthony foundation is oh, going to yeah. be around for a long time, thankfully. So left quite a legacy for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, what were we doing? We were solving world peace, uh, you know, or we, not solving we, we're almost world there. hunger and yeah, we're almost there. <laughs> uh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. What we were talking about right before things went south on that. Um, uh, well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned this right before we started a, a little bit earlier. Uh, you got a radio show. Yes. Yes. Tell, called, tell us uh, a little bit about that. So it's called B-Side with the Jazz Eclectic, and it's on uh, KUNV uh, 91.5 Jazz and More in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. It's on the campus of uh, the radio stations on the campus of UNLV. And, um, you know, we're fortunate to have them as great partners. Uh, I uh, am artistic director of a jazz series out there, Jazz Eclectic Concert Series. And me and my partner, uh, Niles Thomas, a music and uh, business partner, we have a um, company called Jazz Eclectic entertainment group or J entertainment group. And, um, you know, we have the concert series, which we were doing at the Smith center. Um, we had a series there. We did about three to four shows a year at the Smith center. And we would, uh, bring in, you know, some of our guests were Billy Childs, um, John Beasley and the Monkestra, John Clayton, Anthony Wilson, uh, Maya Sykes from, uh, from, the voice and a top top call vocalist uh, oh, from uh, postmodern jukebox so we had a quite a, a john diversa uh his group so we've had quite a um array of artists and um you know we in fact we just got contacted by them uh their rescheduling concert date so we'll be kicking that off again probably in march of 2022 realistically and um so we have that concert series there and then the radio show and um uh, we have another, uh, <laughs> we have another, um, event that's, uh, another show that we're putting together. That's going to be on the strip with the original music and the multimedia presentation. So, and, uh, we have educational components as well. We're partnering up with some, some great schools out there and we'll be launching that in the next, next few weeks here. So we're really looking forward to really getting things, hitting the ground running. So um, how do you put a show together? Uh, for which show for the concert series? Yeah. So, I mean, we we have a group called uh, the Method Men. It's uh, Bijan Watson, Niles Thomas, and the Method Men. It's a amazing group of cats out there. Uh, Nick Schmidt on bass, Angelo Stokes on drums, uh, Brian Triola on keys, and uh, and Sam Lemos on um, on saxophone. And then uh, Niles and I write all. It's all original music, and it's kind of a fusion. Uh, Sade meets Sting meets meets uh freddie hubbard meets you know so it's it's a nice hybrid of, of uh where pop and jazz kind of collide and um and so we you know we usually open the show and then we have guest artists do that but usually we will uh look to book artists that are doing original music or original um uh, um projects and kind of pushing the envelope of um you know, of jazz and black American music and, and, and soul and R&B and really pushing the envelope. So we really, uh, when I curate those shows, that's, that's, there's a great deal of thought that goes into choosing artists that are really, you know, taking some chances musically and, and pushing it, pushing the genre. Nothing against the American songbook. 
but um, no, it's just it's it's just you know. I think it's a lot broader than a lot of people think. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, and so it's important to really uh, make people aware of that. And I feel like uh, we're kind of um, showcasing these to audiences that probably wouldn't necessarily check it out otherwise. So that's what kind of we're we're approaching it. You know, I appreciate. Uh, and I'm not going to remember the names of these. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a, a Diversify the Stand, I think, is a podcast. Uh, mm. There's one called Brass Out Loud. You know, there's all mm. these for underrepresented yes. voices. Yes. There are things out there that I'm, and, you know, people who try, are trying to showcase uh, uh, composers and performers of every color, yes. every background you know and i think that that's great it's like uh, there just needs to be an avenue right well i mean it it all starts to be heard well to me it goes back to arts education i mean if you're if you're teaching your audience to appreciate the arts then they'll go out and support those types of things and Mm -hmm. i think there hopefully there'll be a renaissance of that of sorts um on the other side of this, I think uh, with the appreciation when, you know, you, you don't miss it until it's gone syndrome, right? And uh, it's coming back and uh, hopefully it'll come back with a vengeance. And we as artists have to be conscientious of that when we're promoting shows and when we're putting shows together, we have to put more thought into how we present this and um, really give the music the uh, respect it deserves. And, and I think more artists have to to participate that has to be a reciprocal type of situation we can't expect audiences to appreciate what we do if we don't present it in a way that's you know top notch and and um accessible to the to an audience so you know that's one thing to appreciate the art Mm -hmm. um but what about the person right because here i am obviously i'm i'm an aging white guy (laughs) Right, uh, starting to feel we're all older aging, every day. If that makes you feel any better, we're but, all aging. You know, <laughs> what can I do? Right, and this is a question right. I asked Byron Stripling last year. And actually, I talked to him. I remember this. It was June nineteenth, Juneteenth. Yeah. And right after George Floyd, I mean, this was oh, man. this was That's a heavy a time, hot right time, there. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, let me ask the same question of you. Is that okay? Can we talk about yeah, this? Yeah, please. Yes. What is it like? What have you experienced? I mean, this is going to, this could go <laughs> on probably. Ooh, and and yeah. what can people like me do to be more sensitive to just to be more sensitive and, well, and more I, appreciative? I think, I think from a uh, artist standpoint is just be open to hearing the experiences without judgment. A lot of my, um, you know, white friends that are in the music industry when i tell them some of the unsavory things that have happened to me as a result of my ethnicity they're amazed you know and they're shocked and i mean i would hope they would be um in some level but it's just a matter of awareness so um uh i i and i think part of it is also calling out the people that you know if something says something someone says something that's uncomfortable that's un you know, that's, that's, um, you know, out of touch with reality in terms of this is 2021, you know, we're not, you know, <laughs> it's a global community now. It's no, this nationalism is, this is America is not a place for nationalism as it were. So 
if uh, it's really about calling out the, the their peers if they you know that that say those things and a lot of times it gets caught brushed under the rug but it, it if it's not um if it's not uh, uh confronted in some way then people make assumptions that everyone's in the same boat right oh all 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 white people are, are they feel that way uh because it's just not addressed right uh so i think that's one of the biggest ways and um you know listen i'm i'm all for marches and i'm all for you know uh um protests and things like that but really things have to happen on the legislation legislative Mm -hmm. level um in contracts in business you know that's where you know those are the actions that speak louder than just showing up on a doorstep of the city hall which is obviously powerful as well but you know um why don't let your politicians your local politicians get away with not supporting that if that's some and and it's it's pretty easy to get caught in like this hamster wheel especially as musicians we're all out there hustling the hustle is real right we're we're out there hustling and everything and, and it's pretty easy just to focus on putting food on the table or put you know paying the bills or however you want to look at it and it's and it's it's oftentimes a little more effort to um actually take some of that energy and and apply it to social things which are going to really affect society as a whole so it takes it takes an effort to do that, but it really starts with just calling out people that that um, aren't acting right for any other way to, to put it. But I think it starts there, and 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 just like you're saying, hey, listen, I want to know, you know, being direct and asking, you know, hey, we'll tell you what there is, and, and it's real, you know, it's it's not something yeah. you say, oh, that doesn't exist. It's it, it's real. Yeah, it is. So I, I'm not trying to uh, draw. Uh, uh, an even comparison to this, but, you know, I think back sure. to high school and mm-hmm. bullying, you know, I was bullied sure. and, and I bullied and teased, you know, and I, I feel horrible, you sure. know, that I did that. And, and I think, you know, I'm not that person that I was then. And I also sure. know that I grew up with, with some biases, but we all do, you know, but I, so what I'm saying is, you know, I grew maybe a little bit later than I should have, you know, and, but I, I do think people can change. Uh, so, Absolutely. you know, I, I, and one of the things that actually bugs me is that, you know, saying, well, if, if, you know, they said this 10 years ago, they probably still think it. And I'm thinking, no, give that person the benefit of the doubt, maybe because people can change But I think it's awareness, right? It's being called right. out. It's being, it's, you know, having to uh, swallow some pride, you know, maybe. Sure. And admit that, yeah. you know, maybe I didn't do the right thing or say the right thing, sure. you know. And so, you know, I look back, I remember going to my 25th high school reunion, th- mm. wondering if I was going to run into people that had bullied me and people that I had had bullied. Sure. Wanting to make, you know, make apologies. Um, and I got to do that. Uh, now, nobody apologized to me, but that's fine. I got, <laughs> I, at least I got to, you know. Sure. So, hmm. but there's something to that. And I think, and, and I don't know, uh, I mean this, I, and I'm sorry that you and others have endured what you have, uh, hmm. you know, and I, I really hope that we can all just learn, <laughs> let's just love each other and be great neighbors. Sure. You know, and, not I mean, to, and I'm not trying to trivialize that, you know, I mean, this is just. Oh, no, I mean, but it is just as simple as that, though. I mean. Yeah. I, I don't I can count several times I'm sure Byron has felt the same way being a classically trained trumpet player um 
there were, you know, talk to Marcus Prentup, talk to, uh, uh, <laughs> right. you know, these guys, we've all been through it where it's like, what are you doing on the, you know, we're the only person of color in the, in the right. brass section. Um, right. you know, <laughs> there's always Fitzgerald, those stories. Right. You know, yeah, somebody right. told yeah. me he I was, mean, a, a, yeah, it's yeah, like, wait a yeah. second. So, or when I was on tour with Natalie Cole and we'd be doing orchestra gigs and I'd be the, you know, she'd bring me out there. Um, and, uh, and I'd be the only person of color in the, in the orchestra. I mean, of course the band had person of color, people of color, in, but you know, and, and kind of looking at me like, you know, Hey, can you, can you, can you read this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I can read this. Oh. <laughs> I won't say where that happened, but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's kind of like yeah it, and it doesn't have listen it doesn't happen very often but when it does happen you're kind of like really i'm on tour with natalie cole here really it's like you really yeah. so i don't know would you yeah. ask dave trigg that when he was on tour with natalie cole would you ask dave trigg that if he could read no but if you ask me really okay so it's it's yeah. it's kind of blatantly you deal with that and so you take the high road because it's not you realize it's such a high level of ignorance there that it sometimes it's not worth it to address it in some ways, but I've, I've, I've let some people, um, I've let some people fall on their face. People that, you know, would take, take the music off the bandstand bandstand, assuming that I would be unable to play it. And then, uh, they would, uh, immediately, you know, one, <laughs> one of my mentors and a, and a great, um, uh, one of the people that I, I, I attribute uh, some of my success in the studios in LA is Rick Baptist is amazing. Mentor and everything, and in, in his line, or it may it might have been someone else's line, but there's a fine line between being discovered and found out. And uh, yeah. I always heard that from him. I don't know if that was his line, but I know that was a line that always stuck with me. And he was the first person I heard that from. So I kind of let people hang themselves with their own rope, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it usually works out. Um, yeah. In a, in a positive way, and you know, I'm trying to do this for a long time. I'm not in it for the short term gain or what I, my ego or whatever. It's, it's really about, um, bringing whatever musicality I can to a situation. That means I've got to play third trumpet, fourth trumpet, second trumpet. I'm, I'm there. I mean, there's pl many sessions I've done for gr many artists where there's four lead players. It'd be me, Dan Frenero, Wayne Bergeron, Chuck Finley, and Gary Grant. So yeah. I mean, one of us has to play third or fourth, you know, and then, you know, Wayne would pass something. Hey, why don't you play this one? Or, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of, of working together and mutual respect and so on and so yeah. forth. So it's, uh, yeah. that's what it should be ultimately, you know, in yeah. a perfect world, but yeah, the world is not perfect. Well, you know, maybe generationally <laughs> this, this will happen. You know, it's just going to have to be that, you know, eyes are opened, ears are opened, uh, well, this Gener generation, you know, generate, yeah, yeah. This generation of trumpet players coming up—they're—they're they're eager to listen and learn, and um, they have so many resources. I think that the the problem that a lot of these younger players have when they're coming up is there's too many resources, and it's hard for them to discern which ones are to stick with one. I mean, you know, when we were coming oh. up, it's like okay, Schlossberg. <laughs> Schlossberg and Arbenz and you know the, there's like four or five different you know Chickowitz <laughs> there's like five you know and everyone had their four or five now it's like there's something that's I mean like uh, the one that's been kicking my butt lately uh, lately is a uh, uh, Scott Belk's oh. <laughs> flexibility book right it's insane <laughs> Scott if you're listening bro really yeah 
Um, you know, it's just, but it's an amazing it's an exercise in humility and you have to be humble. I mean, uh, you know, I'm still, when I saw Jens Lindemann at the, uh, at the, at, um, where do we see each other? Midwest Clinic a couple of years back. I'm like, dude, I need to take a piccolo trumpet lesson from you, right. you know, and, uh, and, and then Mike Rodriguez is another amazing trumpet player. I was like, dude, I need to get a lesson with you, you know? So I'm not afraid to, I'm always, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, um, isn't that the fun part so of this? You know, I I tell my students, it should, students, be. It should I tell be my students, program, I don't know any, I don't know everything, right? And I I constantly listening and looking and reading mm-hmm. something new because I'm thinking, you know what? If I knew everything, it's time for me to put the horn away. Sure. I'm done. You know yeah. how much more effective? Hey, before we go on, I want to recognize Sebastian uh, posting these comments here. Education is oh, the right key. On. Right. Absolutely. We need more education in our society, society in general. Uh, thank you, Sebastian, for that. And yes, agreed. You know, exactly what you're saying is just uh, education and awareness. Right. Yeah. And it I mean, it, it sounds sure. trivial to, to put it into a little phrase like that, but it is it's still true for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, Let's see, big names you've played with. I mean, Beyonce, uh, uh, no, Joshua I Bell. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I, uh, Michael Bublé. Um, oh, nice. Michael, I toured with uh, Harry Connick Jr. for a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Natalie Cole, of course. Um, you know, a lot of what I do, obviously, is big band stuff. So, you know, I play lead in, in the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, John Diverse's Progressive Big Band, and the Monkestra, John Beasley's Monkestra, of course. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've had a chance to play on the Grammy Awards and um, you know, I did a little stint with Michael Bolton, even when he had a big band album. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I've been very fortunate to have quite a diverse career and diverse opportunities, um, you know, playing on TV, like on The Voice or American Idol and mm-hmm. things like that. So um, I don't take that for granted at all, but it also requires a certain level of preparation um, in fact, one of my ITG clinic is going to be on, and I'm presenting on June 4th, I can't remember what day is, um, is um, expecting the unexpected. So really developing a practice plan and a business plan for how you want to approach, um, you know, uh, your career uh, if you want to be a musician. So uh, there's lots of different facets to that. If, if, if I could just say I was going to play in big bands for the rest of my life as a career, that'd be wonderful, but that is just not the reality. Mm-hmm. So, um, and deciding what your strengths are and decide and, and also being accountable for what your weaknesses are and understanding that you have to address them because once you reach a certain level of, of, of you know, performance, you, you know, like I said, like, like I said earlier, there's a fine line between being discovered and found out. Found out. So, you know, so it's, you gotta know if you're going to get called or for a session and you either got to know to say no, cause it's not in your wheelhouse or you better be prepared for it and put the time in to prepare for it. So I, I just read this in a, in a book. It might've been a quote out of Peter Bond's uh, recent book, which is terrific. So there's a plug for that. Um, okay. Okay. And, uh, but it was, he put a quote in there, uh, you know, practice what sucks, mm-hmm. right? Don't spend it's your humbling. time oh, shedding the stuff that you can already play, right? It's humbling. Yeah. Um, and what you find is that when you do practice the stuff that you're not good at, you actually expand the things that are your strengths mm-hmm. um, because you're able to approach it from a different lens, through a different lens and a different perspective. 
And especially on the trumpet, you know, it's very easy to get caught in a routine where you're constantly working those same muscles on your embouchure. And there's a lot of cats that get, that get, get, you know, beat up via fatigue and, 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 you know, it can, it's just a muscle at the end of the day. So if you overwork it and you're not playing it or you're, you're work, overworking it to the point where you're getting into bad habits, um, because you're not being diverse with how you're approaching it, then that's, that's when bad things happen. Um, you know, especially from a lead player perspective and the reality is, I mean, listen, I don't know if I'll be, you know, Snooky Young was a anomaly. He was doing it when he was 70, 75 years old, just still right. picking off double A's one handed with a plunger in his hand. So I don't know that uh, I'll be doing that, but I hope to yeah. <laughs> position myself, but we'll see. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, I mean, holy cow, Doc's going to be 94 this July, you know, yeah. and he's still got a nice high F. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. not fair. Solid. Right? Solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, what, what do you like to practice? You know, I don't, I don't really get into the, this much with guests, but I'm curious, you know, as, as a lead player, it's not like you just sit around playing, uh, you know, <laughs> pull the charts and play along. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, a, a lot of what I do really focuses on airstream and airflow and, and playing melodically. Um, I will spend a great deal of time working on playing consistently through a range on the horn through arpeggios and really feeling those slots in octaves and, and, and relative pitch type uh, uh, exercises where I'll play something lower octave and then go up and do a uh, higher octave and then do an even higher octave. But then also sustaining that while looking at, um, you know, a uh, tuner. And so getting a sense of where the slots are. I try not to mess too much with equipment. I'm not really an equipment head. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I spent some time, you know, some endorsed by Stomvi, Stomvi, um, Stomvi, uh, player. So K KO at, uh, Stomvi USA takes really good care of me, uh, in terms of helping find the right mouthpiece. I use that flex system. So there's only two mouthpieces I really play. It's the one that I play for lead and everything else. And then there's the classical piece where I use, um, and so, uh, really uh, for me, it's just really working on my air and flexibility that's why I really like Scott's book on flexibility. It's just given another, like I said, another diverse lens of how to approach that and really push it. And, you know, for a lead player, it's all about controlling uh, the compression, uh, controlling the compression for a sustained period of time. So everything I do really is is about playing with the fullest open sound in the, up, in the upper register as possible and then working on that flexibility to be able to get around and stuff. So uh, I always tell my students, there's no use if you can hit a note if you can't play the notes around it so or or play with the right style <laughs> or play with the right style right yeah yeah so um, uh, a lot of this so, way yeah yeah so mm -hmm. when you get on the bandstand uh mm -hmm. you know not and, and a session is one thing but let's say you're on the bandstand with your with your group mm -hmm. uh do you channel like an ellington kind of or i mean i, I guess it's going to depend on the chart Right, but uh, you mean in terms of sound production? Are you thinking Conrad Gazzo? Are you thinking Mike Williams? Are you thinking you know Byron? Well, Byron for sure. I mean, uh, for me, uh, I just love the way Snooky's sound was just mm -hmm. so resonant, and it wasn't loud. It had a breadth. Oops, excuse me. Had a breadth to it, right? Uh, uh, and I, I always think, you know, from a classical standpoint, that's always what we're going for, right? Is having that breadth and core of sound. Mm -hmm. I'm always going for a sound that's resonant. And I think when you have that resonance in the upper register, the note doesn't sound as high as it actually is. Mm 
So right. I had a lot of time people saying, "Was it what was that? A, a G or it's like oh, it's a those double C?" It's like no, I'm like, yeah, that's what it was, you know. Um, but so if 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 I'm always approaching uh, playing with the biggest the the, the broadest airstreams possible mm-hmm. in terms of my sound, then um, that's kind of the way I, the way I approach. It. I like to think I approach being a lead player is kind of setting the identity. You know, obviously the alto sax is a big part of it, but um, if uh, Snooky always taught me this, and Bobby Bryan and, and you look, players like Byron, you know, they all approach it. And Conrad, all, I mean, all all the great leads, right? They they were you could the reason why you could tell that there was them playing is because right. they set the identity of the band. Oh, that's that's Conrad doing that. Oh, that's oh okay, yeah, you know. Um, and there's certain things that I've pulled from different players over the years that are kind of my signature approaches to things based on mm-hmm. what style of I'm playing, whether it's a Basie style or a Thad Jones, Mel Lewis or Ellington. Each one of those has a different um, stylistic articulation and set of articulation you use. So if you're really studying the music and, and, and also each composer has a different thing. Like, you know, I had a chance to do a, um, a thing of, uh, which featured most, most of Gordon Goodwin's music. Now I don't mm-hmm. play in his band, but but he's a different his 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 um, style of composition is uh, and the way he writes is different than John Clayton mm-hmm. or different than each one has their own set of I don't want to say quirks but their own set of of um, you know uh, signature things that they do sure. in their writing and um, and so lead players like a Wayne Bergeron that plays in, in Gordon he owns that book I I, I couldn't even in my best day come in and play it like him because right. he has he has set the identity of how that chart, we can emulate it as close as possible, but that's, you know, and same, I would like to think the same thing for me now in Clayton Hamilton jazz orchestra. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that aren't on the page that are just, we know, and same thing with Munkestra. There's there's things that aren't on the page that are just come from understanding what the composer wants. So, okay. That mm -hmm. that takes me to uh, middle school and high school jazz programs. Sure. Right. There is so much that is not on the page and yep. you get these bands who want to, you know, they, they, they want to articulate, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. man, you've got to listen. And I you think that's, listen, yeah. that's really is you just got to start listening before you even get the horns out. Just. Well, when sit. you listen to the middle school bands that are actually performing with some level of authenticity or integrity, they all have band directors that, that either are, you know, or have some experience with jazz or are crafting their, their program or their, their, their concert programming after charts where the students can listen to and emulate that in their playing. That's what, that's what it's based on. Yes. Reading the notes are great, but yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, and and again, though, things that aren't there, you know, and, and I'm thinking Uh sometimes, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> oh. we were just getting heated up too bro. oh man we're on different Beautiful. sides now we'll, I'll just leave it's it all there good. We'll leave it's all it good little, it's all good man um, yeah so uh, thinking you know there's the title there's the instructions on the upper mm-hmm. left corner and sometimes you know as a more mature player you get it you, you know what to do sure. and I'm thinking I, I just short of listening right those kids aren't gonna they're not gonna get it they're not gonna know that you don't just play it exactly as you see it on the page you gotta you gotta well i mean you know you, you and i tell a lot of my younger students it's like 
it's not a matter of whether they're capable of playing they just don't have the breadth of experiences you know you get to be a certain point you've seen a lot of music you've performed in a lot of different bands you understand you start to recognize certain patterns certain phrases and patterns that fit within the genre that you just start to recognize um so and then once again on the next level is understanding how each composer writes they have their own motifs that they like to bring into it john diverse is one that's completely unique john beasley you know all these different uh gordon goodwin you know they all have their ways that they they write different phrases uh, and how they approach also also harmonically where they like to have where they hear the lead trumpet you know, so um, it's 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 important as a lead player to study those things. It's not as simple as just going in and playing the notes. If it were that simple, you know. Could you ever ate. see yourself? Could you ever see yourself as a middle school or high school band director? I was for a while. I, I built. Oh no, the, I built the jazz program, a jazz and commercial music program at Orange County High School of the Arts in Santa Ana. How about so, that? So yeah, um, yeah, I was the founding director of. Uh, the jazz and commercial music program there. So. Okay, so you weren't just a director. I mean, you were kind of, you were a big deal yeah, out there. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did that. And I had a chance, you know, I had some great mentors along the way. Um, you know, uh, uh, Joe Marino at Palsbury's Peninsula High School let me, you know, cut my teeth on <laughs> assistant band director gig. And then Chuck Wackerman at Los Alamitos High School, where OSHA was located before they moved to their own campus. Uh, you know, learning from him and watching him teach the middle school program and then teach these other, you know, the high school program and really, you know, he was a fixture there. And, uh, so, you know, you have to be open to learn from these other, um, band directors that have built programs and, and are great musicians in their own right. So, uh, the, the humility is there too. And from the educational side, and there's not enough of that going on in education. I mean, there's a lot of people getting education degrees, but they don't necessarily know how to teach. That is a whole nother podcast. I, I've been doing a little bit of subbing <laughs> at the end of yeah. the school year here, you mm -hmm. know, and I've been uh, kindergarten all the way through high school. Man, bless you. You're a saint. And uh, it's the fourth and fifth grade. Man, there's something about that age that I'm really, it's like those kids are hungry. They've got great attitudes. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, uh, I, I don't know. There's something about, it's like, do I, would I be interested in going back to teach this level? It's not even music. Sure. Right. But I mean, I'm kind of drawn towards, towards that. It's a, but, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is it's a full time when you know what you don't know or where you're aware of what you don't know and you really want right. to learn how to do it is when you really start, they start investing in an inordinate amount of time into it. And mm. you realize, you know, man, mm. those are some 60 hour weeks, even, you know, but it was worth it. The reward was having an impact on these, those students, of course, you know. Well, um, and you're a product too of a really good program. Absolutely. And that, 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 I think that would, that's what allowed me to build programs that emulated the positive experiences that I had, you know, the New England conservatory preparatory school is, was a great experience going on the weekends and just playing, you know, immersive, it was an immersive experience. So, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking uh, about, you know, you going out and doing master classes and performing with different bands. Mm -hmm. Do orchestras bring you into play like, uh, well, you mentioned La La Land or West Side Story <laughs> or, you know, some, some yeah. big lead book. I mean, yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I've done those great, uh, done Book of Mormon for the first time a couple of years ago, which is an amazing book. That's trumpet, mm -hmm. it's B flat trumpet, piccolo trumpet and flugelhorn. It's an amazing book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do, I do that type of stuff and, and pops shows as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, had a chance to do something with the uh, um, Cincinnati Pops when, when um, Seth MacFarlane came out there and did, did his thing with the orchestra. And yeah. Of course, when I was with Natalie Cole, when the orchestral dates were, you know, in, involved some Pops type stuff. And it's just pretty, it's pretty cool to be able to do that. That energy is great there as well. Mm-hmm. I interviewed Bruce Broughton, you know, film mm. composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he and Seth have worked together a lot. And I guess they were all working on an album together. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, so I started listening more to Seth and I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. How much, how much talent this guy has. Well, I mean, and the, the, his arrangements don't hurt either. I mean, he had yeah, Nelson, right. Riddle, Nelson Riddle's book, you yeah. know, the, yeah. the, the book. And so, uh, that doesn't hurt, but it shows how, like even from a from a Doc Severinsen standpoint, having those Tommy Newsom arrangements and everything mm. that really lended itself to the strengths of the the artist, right? I mean, those charts, they're Docs. No one else can play them, really. I mean, I do I do a few of them on you know guest artist things, but I don't. I do the, I try to do them like Doc. Yeah, <laughs> but there's no way I'm going to. Yeah, you know, so um, that's what it's about. Uh, okay, so Nestico, uh, yeah, rest Nestico. rest his soul. Uh, yeah. But was there? It, help me out on this. Was it Les and Larry Elgar? Uh, there's some big band charts. If I don't know if I'm remembering oh, those names man. right, but I remember these these yeah. hand scribbled charts that just played. I mean, yeah. you could read them, but man, they sounded good. Yeah, I mean, you know, Nestico was the the king of. I mean, from a lead player standpoint, the way he wrote. The overtone series of everyone in the section just laid right. You just floating right on top. It was a, a joy to play. You, you know, good composers understood the sweet spot for uh, lead players and understood what would create the most impact. They weren't necessarily super high. You know, they weren't above a G or anything. You know, you might have a little, you know, optional A at the end of a, you know, thing. But it was most of them were F, F sharp, G, you know, didn't go much higher than that. And so they all understood the impact of the lead trumpet and what what was um, um, the most effective without being because uh, a lot of times you, some composers have a tendency just because someone can do a thing doesn't mean they should, you know. And I have a lot of composer <laughs> friends that are like, "Oh man, I wrote this double B for you," and it's just like, "Do you really need that?" Oh man, can you make the A that? And I'm like, "Yeah, but mm. you know." So it's nice that that I I'm fortunate enough to work with people that will maybe allow me to have some say in how much abuse uh, I'm given yeah. on the bandstand. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's back up a second. Grammys. Sure. Grammy nominated. Sure. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been in some uh, bands, uh, you know, in recordings. It's, it's, it's oh. interesting. And in my, and the, my radio show, we talked about this. It's like, and I asked John Beasley, I had John Beasley who just won a Grammy for his, uh, Best uh, arrangement, acapella, or instrumental for this last on this last album we did with Monkestra, and um, I said, "Look, says does that mean I win a Grammy too? Because I was in the band that it's like uh, you get a pin, so I got my Grammy pin." Um, but no, it, you know, so yes, I've been uh, fortunate to be a part of uh, several Grammy-nominated recordings and perform and Grammy award-winning performances. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's and it's it's a, it's a real treat. I mean. I'm blessed that most of the, uh, well, all of the projects that I work with, the band leaders uh, really treat, you know, they, un- they they respect the contributions of all the people that play on the album. So even though we don't necessarily get a Grammy, we, you know, they definitely make us feel, um, you know, we're viable parts of that process. So. 
Well, you know, that kind of goes back to, uh, I talked to Wayne and I talked to Malcolm about this too, and Rick mm-hmm. Baptist, you know, about musicians getting credits on, sure. on the scoring. That's tough. And it is tough, but you know, mm-hmm. everybody deserves, they're a part of it. They deserve, Absolutely. even, even if it flies by on the, on the credits, you know, Sure, sure. Super fast. It's still, I think you'd deserve to have that credit. And that's one of the things where we as musicians need to take a little more, uh, be a little more diligent in writing into some, writing into some of these collective bargaining agreements that, that needs to be really documented better if you, mm-hmm. if someone performs on something, because I mean, that's, you know, uh, literally a calling card for the opportunity. You know, I, Hey, I performed on this album, uh, you know, and this, I was a part of this project. I mean, that's, that's part of your resume, right? So you know, I remember getting home from school. I'd put an album on, right? The old thirty threes. Yep. Old. <laughs> I'd put these yep. on. I've got. And I, while it's playing, I'm I'm sitting and reading the back of the album it, jacket or the insert or the, the insert, jacket, right? Some of the right? bigger albums, and, yeah. And you know, starting to recognize. Oh man, I saw this guy's name on uh, another album over here, and you start sure. to realize, you know, these guys are playing, but. You know, as you're listening to the music, you're starting to soak this up. It's like you're memorizing yes. who's who yeah. in these bands, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just But that's part of the history of it, too. I mean, I think a lot of younger students, I mean, uh, they they maybe pay attention to the contemporary players, which is great. There's a lot of great trumpet players out there who I am just fans of. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to them, you realize where they got there. And, you know, that's what you need to be looking into and researching who their influences were that they built on and are expanding on. And I think um, a lot of the younger generation, once again, this goes back to the overwhelming amount of resources and information that um, today's generation of musicians have access to. And they don't know how to disseminate that. So they pick the the path of least resistance and focus on that and don't address some of the things which are really going Mm -hmm. to catapult them to the next level. Um, And it's hard to hold themselves accountable if they don't have teachers that are mentors that will, you know, when I was playing, when I was per- first playing in, in Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra, they had an open audition for that. And um, so we all had, you know, not open audition, they invited audition. There are about seven or eight trumpet players that they invited in LA to audition. And we, it's at the LA Union and people are sitting around listening to you audition with the band. It's crazy. But when I made into the group, um, I'd be playing and Snooky would, te- I was playing lead because Snooky was, um, playing second and, and losing some of his hearing at that time, he would tap me on 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 the leg and go, "Hey, want, and sing and sing the part to me and say, why don't you play it like this?' Mm-hmm. Or how about trying like this?" It's like, okay, so that type of feedback doesn't happen anymore, um, unfortunately. But I think we should. I think it's coming back. I think the, when I go to these universities and colleges and high schools and I have a chance to sit in with a section and and demonstrate how. I think that that has more impact than just listening to me out front playing, you know. Um, and that's really exciting for me to have that opportunity to do that. So that's what this Generation Gap Jazz Orchestra project I'm talking about I'm doing with Stephen Feifke. We're looking forward to going out to universities and actually instilling that as, mm-hmm. as part of the educational process when we perform is really having, you know, those people sit next to uh, these these great players, right? I've got to find a way to get you to come through Indianapolis. Well, it's interesting. I was at Fort Wayne uh, with Jim Widener. Um, was it uh, Purdue University, Fort Wayne? Is that what? 
yeah. Yeah. And um, that, they had a great program there. And um, and that was a lot of fun. I guess uh, Andrew Lott, is he in Fort Wayne? Uh, uh, he uh, is. He's, but, he's in the orchestra, right? Yeah. He is. But, you yeah. know, he's also now the head of uh, Con Selmer's trumpet division. Oh, is he? He is. <laughs> I need to talk to Andrew. Yeah. Now, um, uh, so hopefully Stompy USA won't get upset. But no, there's a, there's a particular horn that I'm looking at. But um, that's awesome. Well, he's a great cat. Um, yep. But yeah, so I was in Fort Wayne. And uh, yeah, I'd love to come. Dude, come on. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's an hour and a half for me. You know, I, if you're coming through there or if you're coming yeah. through Indy or if I come through Boston, man, is it, can I ring you up and say, yeah, yeah. man, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll be in St. Louis doing, um, Jim Weiner's, uh, at St. Charles community college doing this big band camp there. Um, the second week of June and then, yeah, stuff's starting to get back. So right? I was to just going to say, isn't it great that you're not going to have to do all this by zoom? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, thank goodness to, yeah, for that, I mean, right? But yeah, it's exhausting. Zoom is exhausting, and it's it, it, the intent is there, and I get it, but it's exhausting, and it's just not the yeah. same, especially on an acoustic instrument. You can't tell what you know. You need to be there. Yes, but what about the hang after the rehearsal? Well, that's really the, gig, the most. Right? Let's let's be honest. I mean, that's really about the hang. Um, uh yeah, I get paid. Uh, what I get paid for is dealing with all the travel inconveniences. And like, I was just flying back from uh, Las Vegas last week. And uh, I don't know if you heard on the radio about how all of American Airlines and some of the airlines, their reservation system went down for no. four hours. Yeah, so it went down for four hours completely, like across the country. So I was supposed to get on the red eye, and then I didn't leave till 4 a.m. from LAX, and I missed my connection in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, so. That's what I get paid for. <laughs> playing, playing, and hanging is 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 the gravy, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so it's all part of it. First world problem. That's what I always say. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, perspective helps on a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. man. Uh, I would say uh, perspective. You know, even with the technical glitches tonight, uh, you know, I I wouldn't trade that. No, it's uh, great, I, man. I'm, I'm thrilled to finally be able to Thank sit you and for chat having with me. you. You bet, yeah. and uh, I, I really look forward to our paths crossing at some. Oh, it will. Don't point. worry, we're going to see each other all the time. Are you going to so. go to Midwest Clinic at all? You're going to be no. around there? No, you're not going to do that. No. How, about well, the, how, about I, the, how about the Gen Conference? You going to do that in Dallas? I don't know. And as far as Midwest goes, uh, Eastman uh, sometimes invites me. I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> Eastman <laughs> sometimes <laughs> invites me to to come up. Uh, Eastman Music okay. Company. So, oh, uh, we'll cool. see if that happens. But yeah, man, yeah. Uh, I've never experienced that, you know, ITG it's and quite some, a, it's quite a hang. Some, yeah. It's quite so, a hang. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> let me, let me wrap up here. Sure. Uh, so of course I cannot forget Trent Austin and Austin custom brass once more. Thank right. you for that Amazing. sponsorship. Uh, I'll put this up here one more time. Uh, Trent is a fantastic cat. He's okay. I gotta make right. I gotta make my way out there and grab some barbecue. I've been threatening that for a long time. So we're it, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna make that happen. Uh, okay, that so happen. I uh, I uh, inadvertently deleted that slide, but it's uh, next week. Uh, Raquel Samoya, nice. uh, then Jen Murata, Sarah Stoneback, nice. uh, James Morrison, and Chris Coletti. So five oh, really great. really top notch interviews in uh, in June. And uh, I had four great interviews here in May, Bijan, and and yeah, so thrilled. Really that thrilled. You were part really, of that. really, um, um, you know, honored that you. Uh, oh well, thank you. me, man. I really appreciate that, man. You know, it's it's uh, it's all about community and 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 yeah. you know, 
it's interesting. It's, it's I find out things from from everyone when I when I listen to these types of interviews. You know, you can you can learn something from everyone. So I hope um, there be some nugget that <laughs> someone will glean. Well, and I'm going to throw. You know, mm. I listen to Brass Junkies. I listen to the other side of the bell. I listen sure. to. You know, it's like it's not just I'm stuck on my own stuff, man. No, you know, I can no, only I can only thing. take so much of my own voice, right? Well, well, <laughs> you know, once again, it's just so much great stuff out there, which is a blessing. Um, he's got to find time to make time to, uh, right. to do it. So, yeah. um, but thanks. It's great what you're doing, man. Really appreciate, I appreciate it. it. So, uh-huh. uh, Sebastian, thanks for tuning in. Noel, Noel Tredick Gosling. She is a fantastic young lady who happens to play the the fiddle pretty darn well. Nice. Um, she is, uh, she's on here and look at it. She says, am I the only string player who watches <laughs> these? <laughs> um, my wife watches sometimes she's a violinist, but there you go. My um, daughter's a violinist, but she's not watching. Oh, what'd she say? Nine, 11? She's nine. Yeah. She's, she's nine. She's in bed right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Hey, uh, Bijan, hang on a second. I'll, I'll yes, sir. Uh, say goodbye to everybody. No uh, it's just like that. Hey, everybody. Thanks. Uh, see you next week with Raquel Samoya. Of course, this interview, I'm going to edit these three pieces together. It's going to be on YouTube and on, uh, on the audio podcast platform, uh, by tomorrow noon. So, Uh, If you missed the entirety of it, you can go back and catch that there. So again, thanks everybody. And I will see you next time around.